In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And, he called, and one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Today's second reading is from the book of 1 Corinthians, uh, chapter 6. Uh, this is closer to the uh, back end of your Bible. Uh, 1 Corinthians, chapter 6, commencing from verse 9. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. This is God's word. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, for this series. Uh, in which we are beginning to understand and see and fully appreciate just how amazing it is uh, that we can be united to Christ and Him to us. To be able to see how this is really foundational, this really is the heart and soul of salvation. Uh, this is uh, the center of your purposes and plans, uh, not just for humanity, but for eternity. Uh, that is in your Son that every spiritual blessing is found. It is in your Son where goodness is to be found is in your son, where there is purpose and meaning. And we do thank you that we're able to uh, explore different aspects of what it means to be united with Christ. And we pray today as we look at the issue of sanctification, of being made holy in Christ, that you will help us not just to understand with our minds, but to be transformed in our hearts. Uh, Please speak to us by your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, there are things in life, aren't there, which excite us, which sort of uh, stirs up our passions. Uh, Last night, I got to watch uh, Liverpool remain undefeated in the English Premier League as they won 3-1 after being down 1-0 in the first few minutes, and then another team happened to lose by the same margin. Let's not mention any names. That that excited me when I watched that. Um, Some of you here are excited by competing, right, in, in certain sports or events, triathlons and Ironman competitions or in musical things. Others are passionate about your studies or your work, your field, uh, or maybe of travel or romance. Now that gets your heart fluttering, doesn't it? But let's be honest about what doesn't stir up our passions, about what doesn't really excite us, and that is sanctification, holiness, being made holy. There isn't really a thing where someone mentions that your heart goes doom, 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 faster, heart rate, and you know, uh, sweaty palms and excitement. (laughs) 
You're, you're probably not overjoyed when, when you, you see a ta- on the table a book about growing holiness. Or when you come to a sermon series saying, sanctified in Christ. You probably weren't that excited if you even understood what that meant. Right? For our non-Christian friends, especially for our unbelieving friends, being holy is just kind of boring. Right? It is not very appealing at all. To have a holy, holy person in your social circles is to have someone who is like the fun police, right? The, the person who, who you kind of have to watch what you say and, and watch how many drinks you have and what you do. They, they're kind of the people who try to restrict you, who are a bit odd, who are a bit out of touch with reality, aren't they? But even amongst us as Christians, as believers, if we are honest, holiness does seem kind of boring, doesn't it? It does seem kind of restrictive. I mean, when we think about justification, being saved, when we think about reconciliation, being adopted back as God's children, now that is joyful, that is exciting, that is heartwarming. But to talk about holiness, there's not a lot of warm and fuzzies when it comes to talking about holiness. But we know in our minds it's supposed to be important and it's even meant to be good, but it rarely is something that we desire, right, that we want. Is that true? If I asked you, do you want holiness? Do you get excited about holiness? When's the last time you heard someone speak about holiness in glowing, heartwarming, joyful ways? You see, what our world wants and what we as Christians often secretly really want is to just be me. Not holy, but to be me. Just be me. The catch cry of our generation is to be true to ourselves. I be me, you be you. Now some of you may have heard this quote from Kanye West when he says this, right? Maybe it's a great summary of our generation if it comes up on the screen. I am nothing if I can't be me. I'm nothing if I can't be me. So Kanye West was, was talking to his wife, Kim Kardashian, right, uh, about the fact that, you know, he says, I, I have the most beautiful wife and the, the best, most perfect family, but I'm nothing if I can't be me. I'm nothing if I can't define for myself who I am and who I want to be. You see, our world says that we're only truly human when we choose what we want to be. But what we're going to hear from God is that God says that we are truly human only when we are who he, he has made us to be. We are only truly human when we are holy. And we can only be holy if we are sanctified in Christ. That's what today's sermon is going to be all about, right? God tells us that we are only truly human when we are who He made us to be, when we are holy. And we can only be holy if we are sanctified in Christ. Now, my hope this, this afternoon is, is for us to understand this in, in concept, in principle, but more than that, to feel this, to be excited about it, to, to appreciate and be in awe and have greater gratitude of what it means to be sanctified in Christ. Now, sanctification is a big word, right? For sanctification, five syllables, right? And, and it simply means to be made holy. And so the question is, what is holy? It's a word we hear a lot, but what does it actually mean? Now, for all of us, when we think holy, we think of the word moral. You know, kind of moral purity. We think of the color white, right? We think of uh, no stain of sin, no blackness of evil or wrongdoing. But first and foremost, holiness or holy isn't moral, right? Holy isn't moral. 
Now, when I, when I ask you about verses in the Bible that comes to mind, that, that has the word holy in it, what comes to mind? Now, hopefully, because I've already, you know, preempt this by the Bible reading, you would think of Isaiah 6, which is a beautiful verse about holiness, where it says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Right? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord, God Almighty. Okay, so that comes to mind. Uh, or maybe you might think, oh, holy, what about the holy of holies, right? The most holy place in the temple. And so if you know the temple, it is where God chose to put his presence and he created a courtyard on the outside and this uh, space in the middle when this inner sanctum was called the most holy place. And of course, maybe the next thing that comes to mind would be the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit is what comes to mind. Now, holiness must first and foremost be, must be, must first and foremost be seen as a core characteristic of God, right? A core characteristic of God. It can't be moral, right? Otherwise, it would be what? Moral, moral, moral is the Lord God of hosts? The most moral place? The moral of morals? Or the moral spirit? That doesn't work, does it? That's obviously not what holiness means first and foremost. You see, holiness first and foremost isn't morality. To be holy is to be special. To be holy is to be special. Special because it has been separated out from the rest because it has been set apart from the rest, because it is uniquely different from the rest. You see, God's very nature and essence is holiness. Holy, 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 right? The, the Hebrew way of describing something to its extreme. He is extreme holiness. He is the ultimate holiness. He is, he is the most special. He is unique in every way, infinite in value. There, there is nothing and no one that even comes close to how special, special, special God really is. You see, if God were to be compared to the sun, then everything else in all ex of existence would be like a five-watt incandescent bulb. Not LED, right? Five-watt LED, quite bright. Five-watt pithy little incandescent bulb compared to the sun in all of its brightness and heat. But even that separation won't quite describe just how far apart God's holiness is from the normalness of everything else. And you see, this holy, holy, holy God, set apart from everything else, he sanctifies things. He sets things apart as holy to him. Like the most holy place, right? The most holy place is in the middle of Jerusalem, in the temple. It is a nine square meter piece of land, right? It takes up. In, in many ways, no different from the other 51 million square kilometers of this world's surface, okay? That's how much surface area in the world, the very normal world, is just nine square meters in Jerusalem. But yet, it is the most holy place because God chooses, God sets it apart as the place where he would put his dwelling, his presence. He sanctifies that nine square meter of very normal land because his presence is there. He sets it apart as special. So what's all this got to do with us? What's all this got to do with us? Well, I'm glad that you asked. Well, actually, you didn't ask, but I asked, and I'm, going to be, I'm sure you're glad that I'm going to answer it for you, okay? You see, holiness, when you start thinking about it properly, isn't boring. Because holiness really isn't about being moral. It's about being special. It's about you and me and all humanity being special. 
because God created us and then he sanctified us to belong to him. He created us and made us holy, special. Now, how holy, how special? Let's go to Genesis 1 and have a look. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. You see, out of every single thing in all of this world, whether it's inanimate or animate, there is only one humanity that he made in his own image. Now, I'm not sure how often you stop and really think about the, the profoundness, the profundity of this statement, right? I mean, many of us have read Genesis 1 many times because we've all done the whole let's read the Bible in a year thing and then we started Genesis 1 and then we read this passage how many times? Probably 20 times in your life, right? Because you always try and start it every year. And, and, and what happens is you, you read this and you, and you go, oh, yeah, you know, and then you get to what? Leviticus? Is that where you usually stop? Okay. But whatever it is, we just kind of skip past this and we don't really stop and think and consider just how profound this is. To stop and gasp and be shocked and be in awe by the power of this. To see how soul-satisfying, how identity-shaping, and how life-transforming this really is. You see, the holy, 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 most special set-apart, unique, infinitely valuable God has made us in his image to have and to share and to reflect something of his utter specialness. That is what it means to be human. Now, Psalm 8 is a beautiful psalm, which I'll get you to read at home on your own, where the psalmist reflects on who we are as human beings and what God thinks of us. In essence, what Psalm 8 says is this, right? The psalmist says to God, who in the world are we, God, that you should even think about us, that you should even consider us, that we should even matter to you? For we are but created dust. Yet, you have crowned us with glory and with honor. Yet, you have made us utterly special. Dust in the image of God. You see, what it truly means to be human is to be holy to God. That is our essence. That is our value. That is our meaning. That is our purpose. That is our life. We were made to be special to God. This is where the true blessing of being human is found. But of course, we know the sad reality uh, of humanity, that unholiness, unholiness entered the world. Sin came in and, and, and stained and corrupted and destroyed our holiness. Now, one of the reasons why we think that uh, holy means moral is because we think that sin means moral failure. Right, so we see that holiness is a morality thing because sin is a morality thing. But sin, first and foremost, isn't moral failure. 
It isn't moral failure. Sin, first and foremost, is turning away from God. It's turning away from God, saying no to who God is to us, and saying no to who God has made us to be. That's what sin is. Sin is not wanting to be set apart as God's. And we see this clearly in the first sin in the Garden of Eden. God made Adam and Eve in his image. He set them apart and gave them the honor and glory of ruling God's world under God. God gave them instructions for how to live as his people. And you've got to realize, this is no burden. This was to be utterly special. There was no greater value or glory or honor in being God's image and listening to God's ways and doing his work. But Adam and Eve were tempted with the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. The offer of the fruit was basically an offer to decide for themselves what good and evil would be. Right? They make the decision as to what's good and evil. They were basically offered an identity makeover. Right, uh, you know, nowadays in the TV, there's lots of kind of these identity makeover programs, isn't it? Making over your house, making over your marriage. What's this wife swap nonsense? There's some, you know, in Australia, is that, is that in Asia? Is there, is there any kind of reality TV show where you swap wives? Anyway, there's all these reality TV shows to offer people a chance to be someone else, okay? And that's basically what Adam and Eve were offered. An identity makeover. The before status is to be created in the image of God made to be holy and special, and they were offered to, to create their own image to decide for themselves who they would be. God's image, my own image. And of course, we know what they chose, don't we? We know what Adam and Eve chose. And of course, it's the same choice that we, all human beings, have chose. And so we see that holiness and living life God's way, well, there's something that we see as boring, as restrictive. I'm nothing if I can't be me, has been the catch cry since the first human beings. I'm nothing if I can't be me. That's just another way of saying sin. I'm nothing if I can't be me. Created to be holy to God, we choose to become unholy. And we lost out in a big way. This is the singular biggest tragedy of human history. This is our biggest tragedy ever to have rejected who God is to us and who we are to God. You see, this greatest tragedy for two reasons. Two reasons. In becoming unholy, we lost God. And in becoming unholy, we lost our humanity. We lost God and we lost our humanity. Now, that's the, the first point. We lost God, right? Without holiness, we absolutely cannot enter God's presence. Right? We absolutely cannot enter God's presence. Now, sometimes we wonder, why is God so severe? I mean, God is supposed to be a loving God, right? And so we feel like, why, why can't he just accept us with open arms? Why does he have to create such a great barrier? Why does sin have to be such a big deal that I cannot enter his presence because of a little bit of un un unholiness? I think we really fail to grasp just how holy God is and how unapproachable approachable that makes God. You know, when we, when, we, when we read the Old Testament especially, and then we find out things like the most holy place, and there's all these restrictions, you can't even stick your hand in between the curtain because you'll die where you stand. You know, you can't touch the holy ark of the covenant unauthorized because you'll die where you stand. And we kind of think, why is it so severe? And we don't really get that God is like the sun. 
You can't approach it anywhere near being close to it. So, so awesome is this heat. You can't even come close to it. You know, there is a story in uh, Daniel um, where he's got three friends, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Or if you're a VeggieTales watcher, their names are Rack, Shaq, and Benny, right? Anyone watch VeggieTales? Yeah, a few nodding heads, great. And, and you know the story where they're about to throw it into the fiery furnace because they refused to, to bow down to the, the statue that was created. Um, and what happened? They lit the fiery furnace so hot that even when the soldiers came close to the furnace, they were burnt up by the searing heat. In a way, it's a really kind of cool picture, not cool, but a really apt picture of what it means to, to have that separation from the God who is holy, holy, holy. That any stain of unholiness or sin means that we cannot stand in his presence. It is utterly sad, utterly sad that the holy God who created us in his image for intimacy and for connection, that's gone. That unholiness separates us from him. Destroyed. But there's more, isn't it? Because in becoming unholy, we become less human. You see, unholiness is utterly dehumanizing. Unholiness is utterly dehumanizing. Because the further we move away from God, the more we don't live according to his character and in his ways, the more we choose to live unholy lives our own way, the less human we become. The less human we become. We move further away from being able to rule our world with the power and with the, with, the, with, the, with the justice and with the love and with the grace and with the wisdom that God created us to have. We move away from being able to, to, to rule our own lives and our relationships and our own affairs and our own inner life. We move away from love and peace and joy and patience and goodness and kindness and humility. All of the best that life has to offer in relationships are found when we, we are good and loving in, in the way God made us to be. Being human was supposed to be meaningful and, and enjoyable and transformative and productive. To be able to fill the earth with great joy. To have fun. We lost all that. Because as sin entered the world, all we get is brokenness and pain and destruction. We get moral failure. We get relational failure. We get spiritual failure. We pretty much get failure in every aspect of human life that you can categorize. We see brokenness and failure because we have moved away from God and we've moved away from being the holy human that we are supposed to be. You see, sin now reigns in our minds and hearts, doesn't it? And we are burdened with unrest, wishing there was more love and joy and peace in our lives. We're constantly discontented, discouraged, in despair. Too often we feel disappointed in ourselves and in others. Not only do we not experience the good of life, we find many ways to hurt other people as well. We're unhappy, so we want other people to be unhappy. We dish out the bad. We tear people down. We stab people in the back. In the back. We step on them to get ahead. We ignore, we mistreat, we use, and we discard. As we become less human, we treat others as being less than human. For every time we treat someone that tears them down, we are denying their value as human beings. 
we become like animals. We become like animals. This was never meant to be the life that God made for us. But by saying no to God, not only do we lose God, we lose our humanity. Now, by this stage of the sermon series, you know where we're going to go now, right? Point four, sanctified in Christ, being united with Christ. Right? We see that being united with Christ is God's brilliantly wise and utterly gracious solution to all of our massive problems, to be united with Christ. And it's no different to our holiness problem or our, our, our unholiness problem. That we see that we are sanctified in Christ, that unholy people like you and I are made holy in Christ. Right? Again, back into the way that we're created to be. Now I want you to remember back to the first passage we looked at in the first sermon of this series, where it sets for us this grand vision of God's eternal plans from before the creation of the world. Ephesians 1 verse 4. Even as God chose us in Jesus before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. God's eternal plan from before the creation of the world, knowing full well how unholy we would become as a human race, God chose us in Jesus to be holy and blameless. Now, in this aspect, I want to explain two things that are very important about what it means to be sanctified in Christ, to be made holy in Christ. Two aspects. One is definitive, so 4.A, and one is progressive, 4.B. One is to be made sanctified in Christ, and one is to become more uh, holy, I suppose, in Christ. You see, the second point is the one that we most often think of when we think of sanctification. We often think of it as a process, something to become more and more, or something to strive after. But what I want to say is that the definitive, the point, the first point is the foundational point. It is the crucial point to be able to understand because the, the progressive nature flows out of it. Right? Definitive sanctification. Let's think about that one. It's the foundational one. It's the one that is the most important to really figure out. Now, sanctification in Christ, first and foremost, is not a process, right? It's a once-off, definitive, complete transformation. Let me read a few verses to you, and I'm going to talk about them, okay? So, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. You've heard this one a few times, so it should be familiar. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. Right? Because of God, uh, Jesus has become to us sanctification. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 11 but you were washed you were sanctified you were justified in the name of the lord jesus christ and by the spirit of our god and in hebrews 10 verse 10 and by that will in a context the will there is god's will of sending jesus to be our sacrifice for sin by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of jesus christ once for all so that's a Remind ourselves, right? Outside of Christ, on our own, as, as sinners, we are unholy in God's sight. But if we are in Christ, then we become holy in God's sight. How holy? Totally, completely, 100% connected with God, restored as the special set-apart people of God who bear God's image. How does that work? Why, why did, how do we go from being unholy to becoming 100% holy. It's because we have Christ, because we are in Him. And who is Christ? He is our sanctification, isn't He? He is the one who is totally, completely, 
100% connected with God, special and set apart as God's own son, bearing the very image of God, because Jesus Christ is God. And if you are in him, then he is our sanctification. It's already done. You know your tenses? Past tense, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. You were washed. You were sanctified. It's already happened. And just in case the past tense doesn't convince you, how about a perfect tense? You know what perfect tense is? You know your grammar? Past means happened in the past. Perfect means happened in the past and finished in the past. Hebrews 10. We have been, that's the perfect tense bit, okay? We have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Completely, definitively, 100% holy before God. Right now, you and I, normal human, normal Christians, we are all 100% sanctified. We are all saints. Now, the, the Roman Catholic teaches that only some very special people like Mother Teresa become saints. But the Bible teaches that all who are in Christ are saints. Now, English kind of sucks, doesn't it? The word saints has its root word from sanctification. It really should just mean sank, sanks, right? It's a wrong spelling. There's a one letter wrong. It shouldn't be a C in, 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 in uh, it shouldn't be an I in saints. It should be a C, right? We are sanks because it's the same root word. Can you see that? We are all 100% sanks. <laughs> Sanctified in the 100% holy Christ. That's who we are. We went from zero to 100 in the very moment we were joined to Christ. We went from zero to hero, not because we're heroes, but because Jesus, our hero, heroes our holiness. And what this means is that the image of God that we, that we shattered, that we, that we broke, that we almost completely lost, has now been restored in this beautiful passage. Once again, from 1 Corinthians, just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. All these passages that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church who were, if you know one Corinthians, were rotten Christians. They were sleeping around. One, of them, one guy even slept with his mother-in-law. Right? They were sleeping with prostitutes. They were taking each other to court. They were, they were engaging in idol worship sometimes even. But because they are people who trusted in Jesus, they are... Saints who bear the image of Jesus. That is our definitive sanctification that we all have, that cannot be lost because we are in Christ. Now, this is the vital foundation for understanding then our progressive holiness, the part of holiness that we most often think about, right? Becoming more moral, which really is wrong. It's not about being more moral. It's about being more like Jesus, our holiness. Romans 8, very famous passage. Let me read it to you. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. What is God's will? It is for us to be predestined and called to be holy and blameless, to be conformed to the likeness, the image of his son. I love the word conformed. It's not a very common word that we use, but con means to join together, form, you know, it's like likeness, image. 
We're being, we have been, and we are being continually joined together to become more like Jesus. That's, that is God's will for our lives. He created us to be holy, and now we are told that we are becoming more holy, made to be more holy, to become more like Jesus, who is obviously the epitome of holiness. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Another way of putting the same thing, isn't it? This passage speaks about the true freedom found in being united with Christ and growing in holiness. This time the word used is transformed. Trans means to change, right? To move, to have a direction, to move somewhere. We are being transformed, moving more and more, changing more and more into the likeness of the one who is glorious. Remember how we are created with honor and glory and then we threw that away? But now in Christ, we are growing in glory. The glory is of the only son, Jesus Christ, becoming more like him. Through the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who is holifying us. The Holy Spirit who is dwelling in us is making us more like Jesus, that's what the Holy Spirit's doing. The more holy we become, the more glorious we become, the more human we become, isn't it? For that's what it means to be human, to be set apart as special to God, living God's way. To become more holy is to become more human, and that, my friends, is where true freedom is found. See that, verse 17? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, where the Holy Spirit is making us more like Jesus, there is freedom. True freedom, my friends, is found in being bound by the holiness of Jesus. True freedom is found by being bound, by being being brought within the framework, the boundaries of Jesus' likeness. And you're thinking to myself, This guy is just full of contradictions, isn't he? He's talking about freedom, but he's talking about being bound. How does that make sense? Let me ask you, when is a fish truly free? When is a fish truly free? When the fish is in the water, isn't it? So, you know, maybe you went to the aquarium in Sentosa or Malulaba, or maybe you went, you know, snorkeling or scuba diving, and you see the fish swimming around. But one day, maybe, you know, the great white shark, you know, in the uh, Pacific Ocean decides, ah, this sea life is so restrictive. I want to explore my boundaries and not be tied down. I want to be free. So he jumps out onto the land. And it dies. Correct? What does it mean to be free as an Australian citizen? It is to live in Australia to be able to enjoy every privilege of my citizenship in this country. But if I were to go to to a communist country, or maybe even go to Thailand, I will feel restricted in my religious freedoms, in my rights, in many ways. True freedom is actually within boundaries, within what we're created to, to thrive. You know, kids, no boundaries, right? They want to eat whatever they want, whenever they want, right? So my kids will always come up to me, can I have lollies? Can I have another chocolate biscuit? Can I have more ice cream? Doesn't matter what time of the day, they will ask. 
And you know, maybe I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a modern dad, right? And I'll say, okay, well, the culture of our time is you've got to have your freedom to be human, so go ahead. Would, would they thrive? Would they grow to be fully well-functioning human beings? No. They would have diabetes, right? <laughs> and then they would lose a limb and their eyesight or whatever it is, right, the diabetes cause. What about adults? We have our passions, our desires, and we want to express them, don't we? I want to be able to sleep around with whoever I want. I have urges, why can't I express them? I have things that I want, why can't I just take? But what kind of humanity does that become? Look at the world that wants to be who it wants to be, that wants to have the freedom to make its own choices. My body is mine, so I will sleep around, I will kill unborn children. My life is mine, so I will be greedy and I will take and I will steal and I will hurt to get ahead. This is the world of freedom. But freedom is really found in holiness. It's found in being who God created us to be. The only place where we can really thrive, where we can really find joy and meaning and purpose. So let me ask you, Sanctification, do you want it? Does it sound as boring now? Is it as unappealing as maybe you thought it might be? You see, whether you want sanctification or not depends on how you think of God, doesn't it? Because sanctification, first and foremost, begins with God, His essence and His nature. Is God really holy, holy, holy to you? Is he really unique and utterly special and infinite in value, worthy of worship? Is he really as big as big can be and growing? Because if God is not that to you, then being created in his image means nothing. But if God is that holy God, and then you realize that you're created in his image to, to have and to share and to reflect something of God's holiness and to be that special then you've got to have a hard heart, really, to not feel anything, to be bored about it and not to be appealed by it. And then when you realize that that, that that holiness we lost in our sinfulness, and then we are sanctified in Christ, made holy again with His holiness, then I ask you, how can you not be excited and not be, be filled with joy and thankfulness that Jesus is our sanctification? How can that make you, make you not want to have your heart thump in wanting to be closer to the Savior, the sanctifier, in whom you have holiness and connection back to God? How can sanctification be boring? Is there something that you want now? Is there something that is worth getting excited about? Because in, in, in being excited about holiness, because it brings us back to God, then we also start to see that it brings us back towards being human again, properly, truly human. Do you want to be human again? You see, to be human is to be holy. And holy is beauty. Holiness is beautiful. It is joyful. It is good. In Christ, as our holy image is restored, we become more and more like Him. We become more and more whole, more and more human. You think about that. Becoming more like Jesus is to become more of his character, of, of love. 
uh, to be more loving, to be more faithful, to be more joyful, to, to have an abiding peace and, and real hope, to be able to live with self-control. That sounds like a boring word, but it's not. Because self-control allows you to be able to control yourself to do what is good and right and beneficial and, and thriving and fun in a way that doesn't destroy yourself or others. It is to live according to wisdom. I used to ask for self-control reluctantly to be disciplined. But now I ask for it with joy because discipline allows me to, be, to live the, the, the beautiful life and not stuff up and feel guilty and terrible and crappy all the time when I lose self-control and I hurt myself and others. You see, we have experienced something of being made more human. For every time we give and we receive love of people who are holy, every time we, 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 have, we have trustworthy interactions with people, when there is gentleness and respect and joy, it is awesome, isn't it? But our world gives us a different message. It, it wants to appeal to us by all the crappy things of life. Like I like watching TV. And I've moved away from watching movies into watching more TV series because movies don't have enough time to develop character and plot. But TV dramas do, right? And growing up, I, I usually watch Western, Hollywood-made TV dramas. And uh, as you know, the way that they, they make dramas is to create tension. And tension is often created by sin, let's be honest, right? You know, when it's a romance, it's usually some kind of uh, progression towards dating. And then there will always be some crisis. Someone will tell a lie. Someone would sleep with someone's best friend or something, right? And then they'll get together, and then they'll have makeup sex, right? And, and then we as viewers, we kind of know, you know, premarital sex probably isn't God's creation, but we feel happy for them because they're together. And then as the drama continues on, there's always more mistrust. There's, there's always some kind of thing going on in the background, something, some, some mistruth, some kind of hurtful thing, some kind of cruelty, some kind of... And we lap that up. It's drama. You know, it, maybe it's Game of Thrones for some of you. I don't watch it. I hear, I hear about it. And some of, some of you I know watch it and you fast forward all the sexy bits, right? And so you take away even that bit. And then you leave the rest of the bit. It's all just the same thing. It's sin, right? It's about backstabbing. It's about plots. It's about lies. It's about violence. It's about getting ahead. And we lap it up. And then I've started watching Chinese TV dramas. I thought, I'll give a break. I want to learn Chinese. Uh, and I thought, we well, give it a go, right? First few episodes of this TV drama I watched recently called Love 020. Anyone watched that before? Someone in the first episode actually watched it. Uh, anyway, Love 020, very slow burn Chinese uh, dramas. And, and anyway, it's about, it's a setting is they play computer games right, online, and they're like the best in the game. But also in real life, she's like the beauty queen, and he's like some super popular you know, guy, right? In the same university, of course. So anyway, the, the plot is basically they meet in real life. And uh, the way they got together, it was filled with gentleness and truth and purity and mutual respect. They got together and then they continued to have to interact with a world that was very jealous of them and they tried to break them up and tried to hurt them. And the way that they interacted within the relationship was once again filled with gentleness and trustworthiness and respect and, and, and lots of humor and, and, and love, right? And the way that they reacted with other people outside was filled with honor and integrity and grace. And I kept watching, right? So I thought, surely something's going to go wrong, right? 
You're waiting for that plot to turn. Because I'm thinking, 10 more episodes of this is going to be a bit kind of sickly sweet, isn't it? It's a bit too tian mi mi, you know? But I finally get to the end of the series. Nothing ever goes wrong. Happily ever after. And I sat there thinking, which series would I rather watch? And to be honest with you, the Chinese one. It was beautiful. Right? It wouldn't sell in the West. But would it sell to us? Is that beautiful life appealing to you? Or do you want to be stuck in the mire and the muck and the crap of unholy living? I don't know about you guys, but I choose beauty. And I hope you will as well. I hope you will choose holiness because it really is that good. Can you imagine a life of love and faithfulness and loyalty, gentleness, respect, care, friendship, joy? That is the life that God created us to have. That is the life that we lost in our sin. That is the life that we are given as we are sanctified in Christ, made holy in Jesus, made more and more holy as we pursue Christ-like living in our lives. Let's pray. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, we pray you will fill our minds and you expand our hearts to truly appreciate and be in awe and wonder at just how utterly special and unique and infinitely valuable and worthy of worship you truly are. Because as we do that, we are then floored to realize that you've created us in your image to have and to share and to reflect your holy character, to be special to you in a way that is truly mind-blowing. We confess, Father, that we have pushed you away, that we have rejected the holy life you created for us to live. In breaking out of these bounds of holiness, we have destroyed ourselves, we have destroyed others, we have destroyed your world. And so we give you great thanks that in your mercy and grace, you sent your Son to be our sanctification. That in him we can be made holy again, not with the holiness that we have on our own, but the holiness that wholly belongs to Jesus that his sanctification covers us, that in him we are 100% complete and whole and human again, 100% connected back to you, and 100% able to now live out who we truly are. We live in a, in a world that gives us the message that to be who I am, to define for myself what I wanna be, to say that I'm nothing if I can't be me, is an absolute, an abominable lie that is so destructive, that is so life-denying, that is so dehumanizing. We pray that you help us see the beauty, the joy, the wonder, the honor and glory of being holy. And in realizing that, help us to pursue after becoming conformed and transformed into the likeness of your Son, in whom there is love and faithfulness and peace and joy and humility and self-control and patience where there is life and goodness and blessing and joy. This we pray in Jesus' name.